Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or any of our fine syndicated affiliates and go visit us at sportsgarden.com. Hey, we have a lot to do today, and I have to tell you, it's going to be all focused on Major League Baseball and the trade deadline Obviously, Juan Soto is the big conversation. We're going to start with Juan Soto. I have odds. I have expectations. I have a differing opinion about Juan Soto. We will get into all the Juan Soto stuff as well. But he's not the only guy going. Frankie Montas might go. Luis Castillo. All of a sudden, Tarek Skubal might be on the block. You have a slew of relievers and some bats, guys like Reynolds and Bednar and maybe uh, Ian Happ all still might go. And you're starting to see even the groundswell of maybe Shohei Otani and the potential of him maybe going. So we're going to get into all that. I have odds on it all. I have odds on uh, every one of these trades. And if I'm even going to go down that road, I don't know if I'm going to. I don't think I I, I am, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can find some stuff. So we'll get right into it. Look, let's go right and, and start talking about Juan Soto because it, he's in the news. There's a lot of news going on. Um, early in the week, Jack Curry from Yes Network, New York Yankees Network, he said that the Yankees did reach out. Um, there's really just exchanging kind of initial barbs, right? I mean, that's what this is. It, it's initial. From what I've heard, and this is not from Jack Curry, he just said, hey, look, they, they both definitely exchanged some ideas. From what I've heard, and everything that we're talking about was basically, look, the package is out of control that they're asking. Not only that they're asking, but hmm, let's be honest, what they really probably will get. And you have to start thinking about this as, all right, it's not only just that you're getting Soto. You have to give the 15 years. You have to probably extend him. But that's a probably. You know, a lot of people taking teams out of this and saying, well, they don't have the money to extend him, so it can only be like the Yankees, Dodgers, and Mets. Well, yeah, But if a team believes that they can win a World Series in the next two years, because remember, he's got two and a half years left on his contract. If a team believes, you know what, we can give up a ton for Juan Soto right now. And I'm not saying this is smart, but if they go, look, we're never going to sign him. Let's just say, let's say a team like the Rays believed that, right? A team uh, like the Brewers believed it, right? And they go, look, well, we're never going to sign him. But if we can win a World Series this year, we still get him next year. Maybe we will win a World Series next year. And then in his final year of the deal, we can retrade him and get a little bit back. I'm not counting that out. And I think a lot of people in the media are counting that out. I think most people that I speak to are counting that out. They're saying, no, it's just a couple of teams. It's really just, you know, just a couple of teams that can afford him. They got to re-sign him. Look, the Yankees are in a unique position. Because all I ever said was, I I even did a YouTube video about this. I don't want him. I don't want Soto because I don't want to pay the price. I don't want the 15 years. I don't want the money. And I don't want it to be that, look, Aaron Judge leaves town. But the Yankees are in a unique position because they could trade for Juan Soto, not re-sign him immediately, use him almost as leverage against Aaron Judge in the offseason, re-sign Aaron Judge, wait the two years with Soto, now you have guys like Chapman, guys like Donaldson are off the books. I, I mean, you, you laugh at Donaldson and Chapman, but they make $45 million a year combined. Now you have these guys off the books. They absolutely can do it. Aaron Hicks comes off the books pretty soon. He's making a ton of money. Uh, 
you start to look at this and you go, you don't have to immediately sign it. He doesn't have to walk in the door, put on your jersey, and sign the paper. You have, you have plenty of time to negotiate. You have some time. And if you are a team that has a lot of money, like the Yankees and Dodgers and Mets, you know no one's going to outbid you. You're just going to give the guy whatever he wants. I mean, it might cost you in the long run, but you, you can do that. And if you are one of these lesser teams, you could go for the gusto right now. Go for it right now. Milwaukee's looking at it, and Milwaukee won't do this, but Milwaukee's looking at it, and they're going, we have Burns, we have Woodruff, we have Devin Williams and Hayter in the back, but we need, we need a bat. You know what? We think we can win the World Series. Let, let's go get Juan Soto. We have the, the minor leagues. Let's go get Juan Soto. Put him on this team. Win a World Series in the next two years. And then flip him. And get something back. They'll get they'll get a little something back for him for the last year of his contract, right? I mean, y- you can do that. Because he does have that kind of uh, allure. And he's got that kind of contract. What... A lot of people are talking about is, look, basically the Dodgers, Padres, Cardinals, they they have gotten back into it. Um, the package that I have heard, here are some of the packages that I have heard. So we'll start with the Yankees. The package I heard was that, again, this is all generally rumors, but I'm reporting what I heard from people that I generally trust. The package was not one player or two players. You know, there are people that are saying it's just going to be a ridiculous thing. And this is from the Los Angeles Times. So I'll, I'll give you this. Um, this is from the Los Angeles Times, and Bridget Highland of uh, NJ.com also has uh, kind of reiterated this according to some league sources uh, that said they basically want, and I'm reading directly from the LA Times, they basically want your top six prospects, said one major league official who requested anonymity to speak freely on the matter. That's the ask. You're looking to get a player with two-plus years of control, arguably the best hitter in the game, but you have to be willing to retool your entire farm system. One front office executive uh, from another staff said, it's going to take three, most likely four elite, elite prospects and another young major league player with control. Another front office member said, Soto will cost at least two top 100 prospects, probably three, and other major league ready arms. This is going to be just an astonishing, astonishing type of contract coming back. And people have said that. Look, people have gone out there and and said, look, it's going to be one of those sort of deals. One of those eye-popping, this is the craziest deal that we've ever seen in Major League Baseball returns. And and many people argue, you know what, he deserves it. 23 years old, two and a half years left, uh, you know, um, yeah, absolutely deserves it. So uh, you look at this and you go, I think that a lot of this is getting to a point of, okay, the Nationals are leaking this because they want people to to go over to the top. They want people to go absolutely nuts. Okay, you know, that's what a lot of people are going crazy about it. Um, but no, I, it looks to me like some of this is real. You know, every time I go, nah, they're just saying it's like the KD thing. Oh, yeah, we'll take Carl Anthony Towns and like 90 first round picks. Every time I think that, guys, I now then hear from a real source going, no, no, they're 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 debating this. So here are some of the trade scenarios I've heard from the New York Yankees um, that Washington has kind of alluded to or flat out asked for. Anthony Volpe was their number one prospect. Peraza. Who is their number two prospects, by the way, also play shortstop. Waldachuk, their number one arm. Trey Sweeney, who is also a shortstop but can play third base. Austin Wells, that's five prospects. And Jason Dominguez. I had also heard that it was the same kind of proposal, but the Yankees would not include Volpe. So they said, no problem. Take Volpe out. Give us Glaber Torres back. And we can have that kind of conversation. That's from the Yankee standpoint. That's, that's just, it's mind-boggling what you're asking for. You're basically asking for out of their top 10 prospects about four to five of their top 10. If if not all five, a guy like Pierre, you could throw in there, but but if not their top five. Um, for the Dodgers, I've heard Vargas, Cartea, Dustin May. That's the start of the conversation. Those three. For the Padres, James Wood, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel, 
and it was Mackenzie Gore before he went down. Unbelievable. If you know prospects, these are just unbelievable names. For the St. Louis Cardinals, Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Mason Wynn. These are the kind of out-of-control kind of asks. And you have to start wondering and asking yourself, you know, is it worth it? Is this is this really something that can happen, will happen? There are a number of teams that can be involved right now. And uh, you look up and down and you go, okay, so who who really who really kind of makes sense? I mean, that's what you have to ask. Who really makes sense? Who really is going to kind of jump into the fray here? There are a number of teams that I think can. And you use that word can. Okay, they can jump in or will. I don't think that the Yankees are serious. I really don't. I think that when you look at what the Yankees have done over the last couple of years, you really come to the conclusion that the Yankees are not willing to go absolutely over the top. That the Yankees are not the team that is going to go completely and utterly nuts. They're not the team that is going to to go out there and sign a half a billion dollar contract uh, to a guy that will destroy the farm system. The Yankees were not in on the shortstop market because they felt so good about Volpe and Peraza. The New York Yankees are just not that team, guys, right now. And they may never be that team again, but they're certainly not that team right now. So I don't really think that the Yankees are involved. Now, again, hearing the ridiculous prospect all coming back is kind of what I'm basing it on, but I don't think that the Yankees are really involved. The Red Sox, we don't know. Look, the Red Sox didn't sign Bogarts or, or haven't re-signed Bogarts yet. They haven't re-signed Devers yet. I still believe that the Chris Sale contract is is a nightmare. I know it's new, a new GM, but that's kind of a nightmare. They have their own problems. And look, the Red Sox are a last place team. Now, you could tell me, okay, well, we're going to think for the future. You are, but if you're going to think for the future, then Devers and Bogarts should be the first priorities for the future. So I don't really see the Red Sox. I have heard a lot of rumblings about the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays definitely have the prospects, and I think that that's why people are looking at the Blue Jays as the prospects to do it. And you think in your mind, wow, a lineup with Vlad and Soto back-to-back, and you have uh, Bichette there, and you have all this. But here's my problem with the Blue Jays. They also know they eventually have to re-sign Vlad, and it's not going to be all that far away, right? Eventually, they're going to have to re-sign Vlad. Well, what is he going to ask if a guy on his team is already making a half a billion dollars? And Vlad is the face of that team. You're going to eventually have to re-sign Bo Bichette. And some of the money will come off by that time. Obviously, a George Springer contract will be gone and, and whatnot. You're going to have to re-sign a guy like Alex Manoa. There's a lot of young talent on the Blue Jays, but I think that works against them at the major league level because they know, look, we have a very short window. Uh, does adding Juan Soto put the Blue Jays in the World Series this year? Probably not. Does Andy Juan Soto give them the World Series in the next two or three years? Maybe. Maybe. And then after two, three, four years, all of a sudden, now you're locked into him for a 15-year contract. You got to re-sign. You got to make your choice. You got to re-sign Vlad. You got to re-sign Bichette. You got to re-sign these guys. It's kind of the same thing with Aaron Judge. You're going to have to make your decision. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to do that. The Rays, I can't see it. I gave it out as a potential, hey, you know what? Maybe they'll rent them for two years because they do have the farm system. But let's be honest, the Rays are not that kind of team. They've never shown us to be that kind of team. And Baltimore has also been kind of in the fray, and they they have the prospects for sure. Uh, they could give it up. Uh, they could give up Gunnar Henderson. They could give up Grayson Rodriguez at DL Hall. They certainly have the prospects. But again, the Orioles are not one player away from a World Series, and even though it's a 15-year deal, you have to start thinking about, well, the Orioles are, are kind of coming up for a playoff berth now. I, I like what they're doing, but they're not one player away. Um, you go to the Central, Twins have been mentioned, the White Sox have been mentioned, the Guardians have been mentioned. It's not going to be the Tigers or the Royals. I don't see any of them really as big contenders. Look, the Twins don't really have the farm system. The White Sox farm system is kind of poor right now. The Guardians certainly have the farm system. They they have a 19-year-old kid that's really good. They have Gavin Williams that can lead the fray. Um, But I don't think any of them believe that they are a Juan Soto away from the World Series or a World Series championship. I don't believe that any of them are sitting back and going, okay, this is this is what we have to do. Look, the Guardians, same sort of position. A young team they just re-signed Jose Ramirez. Not sure that they're going to be able to dish out that kind of money. Over in the AL West, the Rangers are always interesting, but the Rangers just paid Simeon and Seager a ridiculous amount of money. I, I don't see them, but mm, stranger things. A's, definitely not. The Angels, definitely not. 
So that leaves Houston and the Mariners, two teams that everyone kind of jumping on. Look, the Astros absolutely can afford them. They certainly have a lot of arms. Their minor league system is not great. It's not it, it's solid, but it's not great. Now they could give up some major league guys. But do you want to do that to a team that is right now battling for the best record in the American League? I don't think that they will. And I don't think that the Astros are a team that wants to tie themselves into Soto for 15 years as much as they like him. You know, Alvarez is still there. They still have Bregman there. They still have sort of Tucker. still have sort of a young core that they feel pretty confident with moving forward. And then you got the Mariners. Same sort of situation. Do they have the minor league system? Sure. I had heard rumors of them asking for Marte, Kirby, uh, Kalenic, and uh, and somebody else. And, and you're going, okay, well, they have the farm system. They do have the money. But isn't this the, the Julio Rodriguez show now? Isn't he going to be the face of the team? Uh, yeah, Mariners may be a dark horse. So I don't really see a, a pure pick right there. In the NL East, it's going to be hard to trade within division. Marlins are out. Philly's out. Sorry, Philly. Guys, in the Phillies, they're not doing that. And Harper, no way. Um, and that leaves the Mets and the Braves. The Braves keep being pushed by everyone. and keeps, oh, it's going to be the Braves. It's going to be the Braves. Look, the Braves have arm problems suddenly. And the Braves minor league system is good. But it's not good at the major league level. It, you know, their biggest guys, a guy like uh, Grissom, for example, he's not major league ready. And they want major league ready guys. Grissom's probably two, three years away. So you start to look at the Braves and you go, okay, would you give up a Michael Harris? Because that's what they're asking for, right? I mean, that, that's who they're going to ask for. They're going to ask for ready-made players plus a whole bunch of rest. I don't think the Braves are serious contenders. The Mets are. The one thing holding back the Mets, I would say that the Mets would get him 100% if they weren't in the same division. I think that that same division does certainly hurt the New York Mets. Uh, they have the money to re-sign him. He would become the face of the franchise, which they absolutely are, are dying for a face of the franchise because they thought it was going to be Lindor, and it's not. The money comes off the books with Scherzer, like we have mentioned in the past. Money comes off the books potentially with DeGrom right away. They are in first place. They are a team that you put Soto in that lineup. All of a sudden, he looks fantastic. The Mets minor league system is a little bit weak. Uh, they got Alvarez, who's a good look, a very good catcher. He probably should be on the major leagues right now. Brett Batty's pretty decent. Uh, Mauricio has lost a lot of his um, uh, allure. I don't think the Mets have the guns to do it. I really don't. I think you would have to give up from the major league level, and I don't think that the Mets have the guns to do it. I'd be asking for, you know, you got to ask for like a David Peterson. You got to ask for, you know, players like that. I, I just don't see the Mets in a spot where it would make a lot of sense for them to do it. Um, you go down down the list and you go, okay, well, uh, how about the Milwaukee Brewers? All right, well, the Milwaukee Brewers are an interesting team, like I said, for a rental, but they're not serious. Pittsburgh and St. Louis are selling. Everyone wants to mention the Cubs. Guys, Cubs are, come on, they're not a real, that's not a real contender. We know that. Come on. It's not going to be the Cubs at all. I think, I think anybody that thinks it's the Cubs just not understanding what the Cubs are kind of trying to do right now. So it's not going to be the Cubs. Um, you know, you look at, at overall, it's probably not going to be most of these uh, of these teams, but I'm trying to give you a little insight. And that leaves the Cardinals. The Cardinals in this division make a lot of sense. And I'm starting to see a lot of groundswell on the Cardinals. I'm starting to see a ton of, okay, here we go. The Cardinals make some sense. I'm starting to see that. I'm starting to see the Cardinals really be a team that everybody wants to jump on top of. Okay, well, the Cardinals uh, are, are are that team. And you think about Goldschmidt and Arenado or what they could be, and they have the money, and they can spend. Yeah, the Cardinals certainly can do that. But their pitching is just so hurting right now. It's unbelievable how much that, that pitching staff is hurting. And I don't think you could look at this team and really go and, and say the Cardinals are going to be that team if they're hurting as badly as they are. And let's be honest, they are hurting badly right now in the pitching department. They need arms. Soto's nice, but they need arms. They go to the West. The Dodgers are obviously right there, and everybody's going to always talk about the Dodgers being there with the money. And they would have to take away from their major league team, and I don't think they have a problem with that. A guy like Gavin Lux can certainly go. Um, they would ask for, like I said, I gave you some of the names that they would certainly ask for. The Dodgers have the farm system. They make a lot of sense, but do the Dodgers want to be locked up for a 15-year contract on him? When you're going to have to pay quite a few guys in the next couple of years. You're going to have to pay Trey Turner right after this year. You're going to have to pay Kershaw again after this year. I mean, we keep saying the Dodgers have unlimited bankroll. Well, we're going to really see that if they go after Soto. Do they really have an unlimited bankroll? I think Soto works well for the Dodgers. I do. And I think the Dodgers make a lot of sense. But do they really have that unlimited bankroll? You get into teams like Colorado and Arizona are not there. And then San Diego and San Francisco. Both of them 
have been rumored to be there. San Francisco has the guns. They have two really good prospects, Matos and Luciano, and they can kind of add a couple of guys there. But San Francisco's not in a position where Juan Soto is going to put them in a World Series this year. They are looking at this as a long-term deal. And remember, when it, when it all came down, for you guys that are young out there, all you think about is Barry Bonds in San Francisco. San Francisco is not going to be a player for Barry Bonds. It didn't make any sense other than people going, well, you know, he loves Willie Mays and that all. No, San Francisco kind of came out of nowhere and stole Barry Bonds in a lot of ways. So maybe that's their thinking. Hey, we could get a lot of the Bonds kind of situation. We remember what the stadium was like back then. Remember the hoopla. But San Francisco just doesn't, they have not operated like that. They haven't operated like that. And then you got San Diego. And San Diego certainly has operated like that. Go get the big names. Get them for two or three years. We don't have to sign them long-term. Because signing them long-term, I question if San Diego really wants to have a 14-year contract with Tatis, a 15-year contract with Juan Soto, also having Manny Machado. I mean, do they really want all that money on the books for a franchise that is barely making the playoffs? I mean, is that really what they're going down that path? They absolutely have the prospects. They have stockpile prospects to no end. And they can certainly flip Juan Soto after using him for two years, and that would be the San Diego way. But guys, I'm looking at this, and I just don't buy into it. So for my money, look, I still think that there's like a 75 80% chance that Juan Soto goes somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where. Um, but I'm not fully convinced that he even goes anywhere. I'm fairly convinced that he does. I'm fairly convinced that he's out of town. But I'm not 100% convinced. They're, the numbers are not that far off, in my opinion. I think that there's a lot of leverage to be used there. I think that the fact that they are being sold certainly is something to look at and to talk about. I think that there's a lot of stuff there. I think he's about 75% gone. The Mets make the most sense to me. The Dodgers are certainly there. Can't count out St. Louis. I really don't think that there's an American League team that is really, truly involved, including the New York Yankees. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we get back, we're going to talk about more, more than just Juan Soto because I think the other market can be really a game changer when it comes to odds and where the World Series might land. All that and more right after this right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, talking about Juan Soto, so why would I not have the odds for what team will Juan Soto play or be traded for? Okay. The New York Mets are at the top at plus 450. The Yankees are at plus 450 as well. The Dodgers plus 550. The Toronto Blue Jays are 650. San Francisco 7-1. St. Louis Cardinals are 7-1. San Diego Padres are 8-1. Seattle is 9-1. Boston Red Sox 10-1, along with Houston 10-1. And the Atlanta Braves are 13-1. That is, what are the odds? I got to tell you guys, listen, it's not just Juan Soto. And, and just looking at those odds... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't. I can't find myself taking a stab at any of these, even though I think that. Look, I don't think there's any value in the Mets or the Yankees. I think the Mets make the most sense. I don't think there's any value in Mets, Yankees, or Dodgers at five to one. You gotta take a stab. Take a stab at something double digits, right? Take a stab at a ten to one. Take a stab that something crazy happens. The Juan Soto craziness kind of happens. Um, but besides Juan Soto, look, Juan Soto is obviously a generational talent. Twenty-three years old. He's going to get uh, what many are estimating the greatest package of all time. But I do believe that a lot of these other names can swing the pendulum of a World Series contender pretty greatly. Now, I, I will say you start to talk about the bats and a guy like Ian Happ, a guy like Brian Reynolds, um, probably going to be gone, a guy like Nelson Cruz. You have some bats out there, but I don't think any of them are an exceptional, groundbreaking, turn-your-head-oh-my-goodness kind of bat that should move, even even uh, Bell, who's a pretty good player. I don't think any of them are going to wow us to the point of, for my opinion, moving the World Series odds in that great detail. I don't think it's going to be, oh my goodness, how shocking and crazy that can possibly be. Just for me, no, I don't see that. But I will say this, the starting pitching market, well, all of a sudden, it's starting to look a little bit deep. Obviously, Luis Castillo and Frankie Montas are out there. Tyler Molly also out there. It was announced this week that the Marlins are listening uh, for Pablo Lopez. 
Yeah, that's a big move. Tariq Skubal, 25-year-old left-handed out of uh, Detroit Tigers. He's got good stuff. Skubal can move this market. Noah Syndergaard. Jose Quintana almost definitely going to go. He's on a one-year deal in the last place Pittsburgh Pirates. You also have the potential that Carlos Rodon on the last year of is now. Now he's gone over 100 innings, so he's got the opt-out. He can opt-out at the end of the year, probably will. Go get a new contract, which means San Francisco's going to lose him. And Nate Avaldi, because Boston Red Sox are sitting in last place, also can be a part of this. So when we're looking at this, Look, these guys can move the World Series pendulum a lot more than a hitter. And I'm talking about outside of Juan Soto, obviously. They could move it because you put this this player on that team and all of a sudden you compare him with a 1-2 or you make him the one. Most of these guys, look, Luis Castillo on most teams in baseball is going to be a 1 or a 2. Frankie Montes is a 1 or a 2. Tyler Molle, probably a 3, but he's got the upside of a 2. Pablo Lopez comes in, he's your 2. Uh, could he be a 1? Maybe. He squint hard enough, but but he's a two. Derek Skubal, he's a solid three. Syndergaard, he's a three that has two upside. Quintana, he's a three. Ivaldi, he could be a two. Probably a three, but he could be two. Carlos Rodon comes in, he's a two, maybe a one. And you start to think about, uh, these guys, they're, they're going to be playing, whereas a hitter has, uh, you know, a guy like Ian Happ, okay, he's going to get three at-bats, four at-bats. Um, he's going to be a solid player. Uh, it, and you look at a guy like, like that, a Bell or a Hap or a Cruz, you're looking for the playoff push. When I'm talking about starting pitching, Castillo, Montas, Mali, Lopez, Kubel, Syndergaard, Quintana, Ivaldi, Rodon, and Ke- when I talk about starting pitching, I'm talking about direct playoff implications because they will start in a playoff game. They're going to actually pitch in a playoff game, right? Because they're all ones or twos and a couple of threes, but they're going to get playoff starts. That's why they're so impactful. That's why they should move the numbers. That's why when you look at the World Series odds, if one of these guys lands on that team, it only strengthens it. Let's start at the top with Luis Castillo. Here's the thing with Castillo. I think he's very good. I do. And I think he can, in a year that we're having this year, he can walk into a team and be that number two that they need for a really good contending team. You put him on the New York Yankees. You put him on the LA Dodgers. He is that guy. But I have a hard time believing that Luis Castillo is a number one for a contending team right away that wants to believe that we can lean on him. Look, he's had a good year, and he's had a good career, but it's been marred with injuries. He's had a lot of inconsistencies. So you put him on the Yankees and the Astros, you know, the Mets who need some innings, the Dodgers, it makes sense. St. Louis needs him, sure, but I don't think they're going to trade within division. You start to look at a team like San Diego. I think he helps, but does does he take San Diego and the World Series odds to that different stratosphere? No, not for me, he doesn't. He doesn't all of a sudden make San Diego a World Series favorite. It doesn't all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting back and we're looking at the San Diego. Like, look, look, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, Mets, one, two, three, four, right? San Diego's at 22 to one to win the World Series. If they land Luis Castillo, where does that take them? If With Luis Castillo, are they better than the Dodgers? No. With Luis Castillo, are they better than the Mets? No. Are they better than Atlanta? Mm, probably not. Are they better than Milwaukee, who's 20 to one odds? Yeah comparable so maybe they go from 22 to 1 to like 20 to 1 18 to 1 maybe so it depends on where they're landing where where can he possibly go he goes to Atlanta Atlanta's 8 to 1 odds I think they jump in front of the Mets I think they win their division and now all of a sudden they are closing in on the Dodgers as the favorites in the NL so that's a good landing spot he goes to Toronto who's 14 to 1 and desperately needs help they go down to Eight to one, seven or nine to one, something like that. They not they're not going to be better than the Yankees or Astros, but they'll be that third team and uh, closing the gap. Sure, a team like the White Sox or Boston go and get them. I don't I don't see it moving that much. The Cardinals are forty to one, forty to one. You put Luis Castillo on that team, all of a sudden they're going to go down to like twenty five to one. It'll be a great line move. Does anybody believe that St. Louis with Luis Castillo has all of a sudden set the record straight? Here we go. They're going to be the team? They're going to be that team? Count me out there. So I, I, while I do think Luis Castillo is a fantastic player, and I think that Luis Castillo is a needed player, most of the teams that he probably will go to and probably should go to all will use him as a number two or a three. 
The Yankees, he becomes a two, and depending on Nestor Cortez, he could be a three on that team. They're not moving from the plus 375 number. Nah, plus 375, maybe the leap dogs are fraudulent. The Dodgers and go to three, plus 325, maybe. The Dodgers, is Luis Castillo starting the first game of the World Series for them? No. It's going to be Clayton Kershaw. Number two, Walker Bueller's back. He's not even going to be number two. He'll be a three. They go get Luis Castillo. They go from plus 350 to what? Plus 300? Minimal. Same thing with the Astros. Verlander starting game one. No way about that. Don't worry. They go five to one. Maybe they go to 350. Maybe. The Mets. The Mets could use him because they could use some arms over the course of the season. We don't know about DeGrom. But if DeGrom comes back, he's a three. He's not starting over Scherzer or DeGrom. He's a three. So on the teams that are most likely to get him, he's a three. Frankie Montas is in the same vein. I think Frankie Montas and the numbers that Frankie Montas produce and what Frankie Montas can be, I think Frankie Montas is a guy that you look at and you go, yeah, he's he's about the same thing as Luis Castillo. I think it's a more secure number three on the, these contending teams, more secure number two, and I don't think anyone's going to make Frankie Montas a number one, right? He's not, he's not going to be the ace, but Frankie Montas has the same sort of feel, which is why I think that there's a lot of value in the Tyler Mollies of the world. I think Tyler, Tyler Molly is, is vastly underrated. He's in the prime of his career. I think he's 27 years old. He's got more strikeouts than we have seen him in innings pitch. And I'm not talking about just this year. I'm talking about a couple of years. Yes, he's got a little bit of arm problems. Yes, he does. I'm talking about straight playoff odds here. So this is from a betting perspective, not from a, a good you know perspective when you're talking about uh, go out there and win games. No, no, no. Playoff. 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 Because we're talking about betting. Tyler Molly's a guy. Tyler Molly is a guy that the New York Mets should be going after because they need innings. They need innings leading up to it. So maybe Tyler Molly is your 3-4 during the playoffs. Okay. But he's going to give you innings getting up to that. And when he gets to the playoffs, he can pitch that gem. For the Yankees, he'd be a 3-4. Houston, he'd be a, a 4 probably. For the Dodgers, he's a 3-4. That's okay. Tyler Molly fits, though. He fits a team like the St. Louis Cardinals. He fits a team like perhaps the Seattle Mariners. He fits a team like maybe the San Francisco Giants. Teams that are kind of lower on the scale, 40 to 1 odds or more, that if he comes on and he taps into that talent, all of a sudden you go, wow, okay, they, they got that missing piece. They have that ace. A team like San Diego, you put Tyler Molly from the Great American Launching Pad where he's got atrocious numbers into San Diego, one of the bigger ballparks, boom, Tyler Molly's an upstart potential ace. And you got guys like Syndergaard, same kind of thing. Quintana, same sort of thing. They're, they're, they're three fours, okay? Uh, yeah, Syndicard is. I know he's got the name and the nickname and the flowing hair. He's a three four. But they're upside for one game in the playoffs. For the upside for what they can be and what they can do it is just phenomenal. It really is. It is big time upside when you're talking about them. Hey, you get into the Nate Valdes. He's got playoff experience. I think he he fits right in nicely. Carlos Rodon is an interesting name because San Francisco is 55 to win to win the World Series, so people still think they have a shot. Carlos Rodon has clearly benefited from San Francisco. Carlos Rodon has always had arm problems. Carlos Rodon will not give you deep innings. So a team like the Mets, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the course of the season. You're looking at a guy and you go, okay, a team like the Yankees who need you know innings, okay? Not exactly the guy that you're going after, but Carlos Rodon is a guy for a team that kind of just needs him for those playoff starts, all of a sudden becomes a very interesting scenario. And then you have the two names that dropped this week and Pablo Lopez and Tariq Skubal. Pablo Lopez and Tariq Skubal are both two names that came about this week. They are both young. They are both uh, guys that you're not buying just for this push. You're not buying just for 2022 and the playoff scenario. You're buying them and saying, okay, this could be the future of our team. Why the Detroit Tigers are selling is beyond me. Now, I get why the Marlins might want to sell Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez is a guy that you look at and you say, look, we have starting pitching. We're not going anywhere with starting pitching. He's going to be coming up on a contract. We have plenty of guys in the minor league system. That's what we need. We need to go get arms. And I think what happens is I think that GMs sit around, the Marlins GM, the Tigers GM, uh, probably sit, sit around and you go, I'm looking at what these mediocre arms can get. A Jose Quintana, for example. And I'm looking at 
what maybe a, a Noah Syndergaard will get. And I'm looking at what a Tyler Molly will get. And Lopez is better. And Scooble is lefty and younger. And if those are the kind of packages, why would we not go secure some kind of offensive talent if people are willing to overpay? So you you leak these names. You let them kind of fall out into the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Pablo Lopez is available. Oh, sure, Tariq Skubal is available. I often compare a lot of stuff to fantasy sports because it's the only time that us, and I've said this before, as us as sports fans can really be a general manager of a team. So we've all done it. We've all had a guy we don't really want to trade, but you're like, ah, I want to see what kind of return you might get. Ah, you know what? I'm going to float this guy's name, and let's see how the market is. Let's see. Is somebody going to go absolutely nuts? For this kind of player. Now, one of my leagues that I'm in, um, I lost Michael King. I need a middle reliever. We're in a holds league. I need a middle reliever. And the guy kind of floats out that maybe Andres Munoz might be available. And I'm going, ooh, okay. All right. Let, let, let's, let's have a conversation about Munoz, right? He's still a middle reliever, okay? Uh, but he's young, and he's got only one year left on his contract. So I, I, he's floating him. All right. I basically ask him, well, what do you want? I want a top 100 prospect. I want three picks. Okay, so you don't really want to trade him, <laughs> right? You're floating him out there to see what the market says. All right, I get it. I get it. We've all done it. And I have a feeling that Scooble will not go anywhere. I have a feeling that Pablo Lopez probably won't go anywhere. But I, I also see teams that feel like, mm, you know what, maybe maybe that's the missing piece. Maybe Scooble, a left-handed 25-year-old, is the mess- missing piece, not just for this year, but for years to come. And you start to look around who might be kind of a trading partner. Listen, listen the Texas Rangers are probably not making noise this year. They are stockpiling with Kumar Rocker and Lighter. They need arms. The Texas Rangers would be really, really that kind of team that, that would really take a shot at a Lopez or a Scooble. They walk in, they're pretty much the ace of the staff, all of a sudden, you could build around them. That's a kind of underrated team. The Los Angeles Angels, who for years have been building and building and building, and they just can't get pitching. Reed Detmers looks pretty decent, uh, but they go out there and take a shot at Syndergaard. He's got over a four ERA. They're going to have to go spend big time. Why not package a Joe Adele for a Pablo Lopez or a Tariq Skubal? All of a sudden, they fix a major, major need and a major problem on their team. That makes a little bit of sense. Uh, you look at a team like the Minnesota Twins, they can certainly use that that one arm. The, the Giants are saying, hey, we're going to lose Carlos Rodon. Maybe you take a, a shot at a Scooble or a Lopez there. They make some sense. So it's not just the top teams. Look, the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, you know, the Astros, the Mets, the Braves, they all want them. The Blue Jays could use them. They all obviously they're going to be calling. You're going to get calls from San Diego. You're going to get you're going to get these calls. Boston's going to call. Yeah, why not? Young, controllable, left-hand pitcher. Every one of these teams is going to call. But there are certain organizations that it just fits better, and it's not just the teams that you think. A team like the Cardinals or a team like Philadelphia should be on the phone right now. They've had problems, issues, all kinds of stuff, guys. They should be on the phone right now because you're not looking at Tarek Skubal as a guy this year. You're going, okay, for this year, he could be a three. It's fine. You know, we'll we'll slot him in if you're Philadelphia. We lost Zach Eflin. Don't really believe in Gibson. We could slot him in between, you know, behind Nola and Wheeler. And if we get back into this thing, all of a sudden, Tarek Skubal, he looks good. Oh, Lopez looks good. For the Cardinals, hey, look, he's not starting over Wainwright. But but, look, look, we, we need guys going. But they're going. In two or three years, these two can still be contributing to this team. In two or three years, they could still be a part of this team. In two or three years, uh, Lopez and Scooble are still contributing, and they might contribute to a playoff spot this year. They might contribute to a World Series this year. So when you're looking at these names that are being floated, don't get overly excited. I, I, I have a couple of friends from Detroit, and one of them was like, oh, no, why are we selling a 25-year-old lefty? Well, if the return, <laughs> you know, is no one cares about prospects right now, if the return is out of control, and if the return is is who cares, oh, yeah, we'll give you everybody that we, we want, then you, you have to float that name. I think it's bad from a personality standpoint to float a name of a 25-year-old that is playing well this year. I, I don't think that that's a smart move, um, per se. I don't think that that's something that you want to go out there and kind of 
jump on it and continue to do it. No, no, no. It doesn't make sense in a lot of ways to do that from a personality standpoint, from a guy's going, hey, why are you trading me? I'm 25 years old. But I like the floating it out there to kind of see. Let's kind of see. Let, let, let's see what we have. Let's see what can be available. And like I said, there certainly might be teams that can jump up and come out and surprise you. I don't expect Luis Castillo to go to a team that will surprise you because I think that that's a kind of a team. Look, they're asking for the number one prospect from every one of these teams. I don't think that a team that isn't ready, a team like San Francisco that may not make the playoffs, isn't ready to give up their potential starting shortstop for the next 10 years for a rental on Luis Castillo. Frankie Montas, he's not going to get as much, but I, I think the same kind of thing. A Tyler Molly, no. A Syndergaard, a Quintana. I don't think that a lower-rated team is going to go get a three. and they, Or they, they care to go out there and overpay for a guy that basically is a three. I don't see that being the case. What I do see being the case, though, is that Lopez and Scooble could absolutely alter every team. A team that isn't really in this thing, a team that is on the outside looking in, can look at them as more than a one-year team, of more than a one-year fix. They can look at this as the long-term fix, and that way they don't mind giving up the prospects, and in that vein, they don't mind overpaying. I don't mind overpaying for a 25-year-old with massive upside lefty pitcher, for example. I don't mind overpaying for that. I don't mind overpaying for a 27-year-old that has under a 3 ERA for the last couple of years. I don't mind overpaying for that. You don't want to overpay for a rental for a Jose Quintana who's 33 years old having a great year. No, we're not in it anyway. It doesn't make sense. But all that is into the future. Now let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future brings us to Luis Castillo. Where are the odds? Where will he wind up? Well, the New York Yankees are leading the way, plus 300. Blue Jays are right behind him at plus 350. The Dodgers come in at 4-1. to one. Cardinals 5-1. to one. The Giants 5-1. to one. The Twins are 6-1. to one. The Braves are 7-1. to one. And the New York Mets are 9-1. to one. And that is bet to the future. Now, listen, this is one of those spots where I think he's a Yankee. I mean, they've they've now spoken about him going to the Yankees for two years. So when you have those kind of conversations, again, I'll go back to anybody in fantasy play, right, uh, That as, as a fantasy manager. When you go back and you have those conversations, you just sort of know what the other guy wants out of it. You sort of know, uh, you know, I got a team. I know he likes him and him, and, and we can kind of work it out. Um, it's a matter of kind of pulling the trigger at that point and seeing who's desperate enough to pull the trigger and, and who can really take the shot. I think that that because they've had two years of conversations and because basically the Reds are saying, we want Volpe, and the Yankees are saying, hey, well, we'll give you Peraza. They can't be all that far off. They know they want, you know, a, an impact shortstop in the minor league system. You know, it's a, it's a matter of maybe them going, okay, well, we'll, get, we'll throw in Molly too, but then you got to make it Volpe and someone. Or, oh, we'll give you a Brandon Drury on top. It's going to be the Yankees, it seems. I just don't know if three to one is worth it. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be the New York Yankees. So with all the guys that I mentioned, um, they are impact starting pitchers. Juan Soto's an impact bat. I think that there's one player that is being speculated on that I said, no way! And now I'm going, well, maybe. And that is Shohei Otani. To give you a little back story here and a little information Shohei Otani is going to be up for a new contract. Shohei Otani, uh, there's a there's a site that kind of tells you everyone's value when you're a plus value or a negative value. Uh, for example, Patrick Corbin's like negative five million. You know, it, it's a plus value or negative value. Shohei Otani, according to this, is basically as a hitter, he's worth Matt Olson, and, and as a pitcher, he's a, basically a top twenty play uh, pitcher. It, he would be asking for a contract. He could give these contracts this way. Now remember. Juan Soto is asking for about $540 million for 15 years. Shohei Otani, and that comes out to about $30 million a year, uh, $33, $35. Uh, they offered him $29, so it comes out to about $35. Uh, Max Scherzer, by the way, uh, ask, he's already making about $43. Shohei Otani could ask for, according to some of these sites, $60 or $65 million a year. Now, he's not going to, okay? 
Um, and the reason why I don't think that the Angels will trade him is because he generates anywhere between 10 and 20. There was a report, $10 million just in, in sales of jerseys and stuff, but 10 and $20 million he's worth to the franchise. So per year. So, you know, they're going to pay him, but they're going to have to pay. And Shohei Otani's going to ask for a 10-year deal. I, I I know he's a little bit older, but he's, it's not like, you know, the guy is over uh, the hill here. He's going to ask for a 10-year deal. He's going to, he's 28, turns 20, just turned 28. Eh, maybe a 12-year deal. Play, pay me until I'm 40. 12-year deal. And he's going to ask for $500 million, which is over $42, $43 million a year. It's Max Scherzer money. That's what he's going to ask for. Do the Angels want to pay that? Do I want to pay a billion dollars and not make the playoffs? Because remember, they're still on the hook for Rendon and obviously Trout. And then the news comes out about Mike Trout. And Mike Trout's back. It's going to be, he's got a a condition where it's going to be a back injury for the rest of his career. Now, you hear that and you can kind of brush it aside and say he's still Mike Trout. But I will tell you, I'll take you guys way back. Way back to the greatest player of the 80s, which was Don Mattingly. Dominating. Hall of Fame career. Absolutely nothing could stop him. Had a back injury, was never the same. Still not in the Hall of Fame. Now, he was not the player that Trout was, but he was the best player of that generation. And you look at Mike Trout and you go, I don't know how much this is going to affect him. So do do you back it up and make sure you keep Otani, or do you start getting into a position where you go, uh-oh, I don't want to have a billion dollars linked in on two players. And a player in Shoei Otani where, yes, he's 28 years old, anybody expect him to be pitching into his mid-30s? No. So then he becomes a one-way player. I, I, look, I'm not even giving. I'm not even giving him four or five. Yeah, I, I, I'll give him. I think he'll be a two way player. By the way, it's not really two way player because he doesn't play the field. But I'll give him a two way player for three more years. I think I'm being generous. I'll give it to him for three more years. But he, you know, that's 31, maybe 32 years old. He's not. He's not a two way player in the last. You give him a 12 year deal, 10 year deal, even. He's not a two way player in the last five years of his career, seven years of his of that deal. No. So you're paying for a DH at that point. Because at that point, that's all he'll be. Uh, I, I, I understand what he means to that franchise. I understand the money he means to that franchise. But there comes a point where you go, wow. A team like the New York Yankees, just for example, because the Yankees are in the news so much, they need a starting pitcher and they need one pretty badly. Luis Castillo is who they're looking at. They need an outfielder. Can't, like, they're looking at Benintendi. They're looking at Reynolds. They're looking at Hap. You... You go out there, you go get Shohei Otani. Oh man, wow, that fixes two areas. That fixes two things right away. And would the Yankees go give up a Volpe for? Yeah, of course. What kind of package would he get? Would he get the same kind of package as Soto? No, because he's not 23 years old. Because he doesn't have the playoff experience. Because people do worry about his injury history, and because uh, you know the reality is is that he doesn't have two and a half years left on his contract. So, no, he's not going to get Soto kind of return, but he'd get a massive, he'd get a Soto-like return. So I wanted to find out the odds for this. Okay, to stay with the Angels, minus 115. That'll tell you right there. The books are not completely sold on that. I love that. I think he does stay on the Angels, but we have to talk about minus 115, that's it? That's that. That's it? I kind of love that. Padres five to one, Cardinals nine to one, Mets ten to one, Yankees eleven to one, Brewers twelve to one, Braves twelve to one, Blue Jays fourteen to one, and the field ten to one. Shohei Otani is earning five point five million dollars this season. That's it. He he's going he, he's gonna command guys. He's gonna ask for forty plus, maybe fifty. This team has uh, a ton of money, forty million dollars almost in Rendon for the next couple of years. I, I, you got Mike Trout who's injured. I just don't, I don't see the Angels trading Otani, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I said before, which show with, with Juan Soto, I said I'm 75 to 80 percent sure that Juan Soto will be dealt. 75 to 80 percent, I'm pretty sure he's going to be dealt. But there's like that 20% of me that's saying, all right, I, I can see the road to him staying. I can see the hiccups that him staying, you know, can bring. I can see that for sure. All right, I'm looking at it. You got me looking. I, I got it. I'm the exact same way. Just flip it with Shohei Otani. I'm 80 to 90% sure. 80 to 90% sure that... He's probably going to stay. 
But there's that 10 to 20% that's saying maybe he will leave. Maybe there's a chance. If Otani was on the block, people would go nuts. Here's the reason why I don't think he really is on the block. Because we haven't heard about it yet. You know, and you want to maximize his potential, right? You want to maximize his, his market. So with six days to go, five days to go before the trading deadline, they haven't mentioned it. There is no conversation about it. All right. So that's where that's why I saved it for the end of the show. Look, if Otani, if I believed Otani was going anywhere, I'd open this up even above Juan Soto. Because he is a difference maker that can move every one of the World Series odds that we talked about. Every single World Series odds that we discussed, he moves. And I would go as far as to say whatever team he landed on, he would make an immediate World Series favorite. Immediate World Series favorite. I don't care if it's St. Louis. I don't care who it is. Because you're getting a frontline pitcher and you're getting a very good DH in the middle of your, your order. Very Right away. Boom. I just don't think he's going to go, but we did have to talk about it. And I dug up some odds. Odds on Shohei Otani. I, I like the 115. Tell you what, five days to go, I, I, might, I might take out a small loan. I don't think he's leaving in five days. Small loan on Shohei Otani not getting traded. I, I wonder what they'd limit me at. They got got to limit me like a thousand, right? And they, they're not going to let me put ten thousand dollars on Shohei Otani not getting traded, right? I mean, there's no way. I wish they would. Oh, I wish they would. All right, guys, that's the last time I'm going to talk to you guys before the all uh, before the uh, trading deadline is completed. The next time I will talk to you guys, I'm going to have a special a show a lot about football and about training camp. So in two weeks, we'll kind of reassess what happened with all of the information and all of the trades that went down. Enjoy the trading deadline. It could be a real fun weekend leading right up into Tuesday. It should be fantastic. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.